Welcome to Fashion Forum, a podcast brought to you by the British Fashion Council. I'm Caroline Rush, Chief Executive. Today we bring you a series of conversations highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community, all of whom play a vital role in our industry's culture and reputation, promoting British creativity on a global scale. Hello everybody, I'm LB Johnson, I'm the Fashion Director of British GQ Style and I'm doing a podcast for the British Fashion Council. And I've got two gorgeous guests and um, if you'd like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Gary Armstrong, Senior Fashion Editor of GQ Style, I work with Elgar and I am gorgeous. Hi, my name's Priya Alawalia and I'm the Creative Director and Founder of Alawalia. Um, so today we're going to discuss... Um, we're going to talk a lot about Priya and her brilliant work that she's been doing, brilliant designers, brilliant clothes, um, and also just the state of the industry. Obviously, lots of things have changed since firstly COVID and then on to Black Lives Matter, which um, has really changed the state of our industry uh, for the better. Um, I'm going to start maybe with Priya and, and just ask how she thinks things have changed since the Black Lives Matter situation. Um, I think that for me as a designer and within my brand, I've always been looking towards my black and South Asian heritage constantly. And I've always wanted to use the brand as a, as a sort of vocal point for showing a more nuanced view of it rather than costume or stereotypes that we're used to seeing. Um, but I feel like in London, that's really accepted, but maybe on a global scale, it's not so mainstream. And I think that since Black Lives Matter has had much more of a global audience seeing it since George Floyd's passing. I think that actually beyond designers, like niche designers talking about their heritage and and on a very actually small scale, I think it's forced massive businesses, whether they're luxury houses or they're the high street to, well, to at least publicly say something. And I hope that it means that they're looking at their internal structures because I sometimes think that the small fish like me, we're already... Part, we're already a minority so we don't really have the power to change stuff but I'm hoping that you know there's been loads of reviews into diversity in offices and hiring practices and hiring biases so I hope that if the companies are following through with what they said a month ago then it should be positive. I'll just speak to Gary now about the, you know, his feelings towards some of the things that Priya said because one of the reasons why I was very very I thought it was very important to have Gary on this call, um, not just because he's incredibly educated on this subject, he's you know you've done so much work, like a lot of people have since this whole Black Lives Matter thing um, sort of came about. Um, but it was because I have sort of had um, a situation where I've constantly been talking to black people about being black, and I don't know if that's always the right way to go ahead. So this is something that we all have to work on together, and that's black people and white people. And Gary, as a, obviously as a white person, um, I would love to, love to hear, what, what do you think, how do you think things have changed and have you, have you actually witnessed and seen them? I feel like there's definitely like a change in the air. I don't know that change has actually happened yet. I think that there's a lot of talk of change, which is important because that's how it starts. But it's kind of what I think is interesting is that the beginning of this year started with covid And that's all anyone could talk about. And then everyone was in their houses making banana bread and being their best selves. And then suddenly everyone 
was in this position where life had kind of stopped for a minute and it gave everyone an opportunity to think about what they actually care about. And I think it made everyone a little bit more connected to their emotions because it was a bit of a weird exposing time. Like you don't have the distraction of work and like just like getting on the tube and like traveling and doing things it's like you kind of only have really yourself and I think that when everything happened with George Floyd and all of the protests that happened after that there was such a huge sense of like exposure to something that it is has never really not been there it's just something that at this it happened at such a crucial moment where people weren't distracted by their own bullshit and they are they were able to sort of connect to something in a much more real way which I think that's how I feel because like I don't think that I would say that I was a racist before but I don't think that I had any real notion of what racism really is I don't think that I thought about how just because I don't have a problem with people of colour, that that doesn't mean that I don't exist within a, a system that works in my in my favour above people of colour. And I think that that is something that means, for me, I'm so much more kind of emotionally connected to it. And it's not just something that happens, like, somewhere else. It's something that happens to all of us all of the time. And I think that in order to be able to communicate that, you have to educate yourself on it and like you were saying Algar it's like it's it's not just for black people to talk to to white people or to talk to other black people or to other people of color about racism it's about white people actually actively engaging in the conversation and not necessarily having to be contritious and saying I'm a racist but just saying that they are they are part of a machine and a system that makes things very difficult for for people who aren't white and I think that that's what that's what's really kind of that's the next part. I think like now everyone's kind of done their social media posts and they've stood in solidarity and they've kind of shared things and they've talked as much as they kind of feel like. And then now like the world's starting again and people are going back to work and it's kind of like dropping off and it's like it's not black lives are not actually a trend or something to like distract yourself with whilst you're in lockdown. It's like, this is something that if you actually really do actively care about it, then you have to, you have, it has to have changed everything about the way that you approach things. I think, you, I think that it's really key, actually, some of the things you said there, that there's a massive difference between white privilege and white supremacy. And I think that when you um, talk to a white person about this, they instantly go to supremacy. And it's not that, I don't think you're racist. I'm just trying to get you to understand what the difference is. So it, it, you've made a really good point there. Do you think that there is a fear, a, a, a chance that this, the fashion industry in particular, could be seen as, as a trend? I um, I find as a, as a small brand, and um, I get it's lovely people are really interested in the brand, and I get lots of different interviews and stuff. I find what's really interesting in terms of both. Uh, issues on race and talking about race and issues on sustainability when my, I aim to have a sustainable brand I get really questioned about it a lot I think that certain things have, you know I've asked a few people recently have, uh, that have interviewed me when they've said to me all the interview questions then what do you think about Black Lives Matter I'm like well obviously I'm going to think that they matter and are you asking my white counterparts that you know like yeah. are you asking my white counterparts that because it's not me that needs to do anything about it i am black and i live this experience so what i need is exactly what you guys are saying we need other people to support us because 
you know, in this country, we're in minority. So to affect any real change, the majority needs to sort of think about what's going on in their workplace. Think about the language they're using. If, if someone's uncle says a, like a joke, a quote unquote joke, that's actually really offensive. Like, you know, people have to sort of be brave to call it out. There's sometimes I say, and to my friends as well, like, I go on and on on my Instagram stories. I mean, they could be 20 a day about stuff. And I'm like, but am I talking into a vacuum? Because I'm talking to people that know me and they're my friends. And so I think it's really got to be a case of, you know, people that are white talking to their family members. You know, you people might live in London, they might live in Manchester, but they might have family members that live in the country so that don't see any black people. And those are the conversations we need to have to affect real change. And so, and then segueing a little bit about that point is also with these lots of companies. I, I'm not sure if we're allowed to say names, so I won't. But there's big brands that are not necessarily high end. High end, there's a huge problem in in terms of superiority, especially in European houses. It's like, I mean, it's well documented. It's hideous. But also, what there is as well, I think that because it's more interesting to talk about high end stuff, people kind of sometimes ignore what's going on in the high street or the or fashion, um, fast fashion internet businesses. But, you know, loads of them put up their black square, said that we think diversity is important, chose a black model for their e-com, yet they're in their supply chain where it really matters. They're getting garments made in Ethiopia for £1 a day, they're paying people. People, they were not paying their, their factory bills in the middle of COVID in countries where there was no social services, no support and leaving people destitute. So I really think also what's important when we talk about black lives is like, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm a black designer, yes, that's great and it's visibility, but we've got this issue of sometimes when, you know, Barack was president, we've got amazing rappers and basketball players, we always are looking to the top and because there's visibility at the top, we forget about the bottom and what about those people that are doing those jobs day to day? And I think that Mm -hmm. within fashion, we really need to concentrate on not only model representation, designer representation, stylist representation, but actually who is turning the cogs at the bottom and are they being treated fairly? Because if these big companies think that black lives matter, why are they not treating their supply chain like such? And I think that's really, for me, the bit that's really making me kind of upset in in this, in the, in, in the context of fashion, because I think a lot of it is kind of um, fake. I think also it's like, there's an element of it being fake and there's also another side of it where it's like, I think people people are so blinkered to like wanting to appear like they they've woken up and they appear that they have really taken on board what changes they need to make but then in actual fact when it comes down to their their real responsibilities like supply chains like things that happen back of house that aren't on social media that aren't public facing like photo shoots things that actually affect the real changes and the people that actually their jobs live and die by these things it's not just like you're employed as a model for this shoot or you're not it's like the people that actually are making the garments all of those parts of it that's the bit that i think that people kind of go like and look away from because they they want to just be seen as as helping rather than yeah, yeah i also think that loads of the responses to it i get right people are probably you know People are being asked, what are you doing to make, you know, in terms of anti-racist behaviour? How is your workplace? And people are obviously reacting and straight away kind of panicking. Because honestly, in the the amount of requests I got to do interviews about, like, Black Lives Matter in the first week, 
was like, I got, you know, I got like over over a dozen and then I haven't had any more. So I think that a lot of it was reactionary and people don't want to be like looking like they're not doing anything. But actually like some of the partners, like the uh, partners I work with in terms of my stores, like what I've appreciated is that they've come to me behind the scenes and said, we're trying to figure out this, but you know, in terms of like, uh, quota can you ask answer questions on this this that how do you feel our experience has been and I think that actually that is sometimes better I think we've got in London especially we've got such diverse designers and I was thinking like you know even as a woman and a woman of colour there's me there's Moa there's Bianca there's Grace you know there's Martine so there's you know we've got such good representation on the outside and I think that that's great but actually we're not necessarily huge, so I think it's the bigger companies that really need to think about that in, in all the way, like, all the way through the chain. And also the opportunities that are given to all of you. Yeah. So that it's not just white men that get to be the top of these big design houses. It's like, that's the, that's the other side of it, you know? It's like, it's not... The representation is great that you, that you are all there and that, that, that you're given that opportunity through Fashion Week and, and with your brands, but I think that the next kind of step on from that is that you can then build and either go to a bigger house or for your your business to grow enough. And I think that those opportunities don't necessarily get put in the right directions. And instead of like considering the fact that there is amazing black designers as there is amazing white designers, Asian or whatever, you don't have to just get one of us to tick a box. You can do different things with multiple people. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like I was... I was sort of saying to someone earlier that the that loads of designers that are black, I think we look at our heritage a lot because we're used to it being tokenised. And I think the beautiful shows of the 90s, for example, yes, they were beautiful, but they did like an Africa collection, a Chinese collection. And it was basically very beautiful costume. And I think now we've got platforms where we can tell our own stories and could be more nuanced. And I'm not just talking about costume or what you see on a holiday brochure of the places I come from. And I think it's evident in London because yes there's quite a lot of black designers but all of our work is so different and even though we're looking to heritage in different ways so I think that 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 definitely needs to be recognized when going off to do projects and big jobs. Why do you think it's taken so long for the the big brands to like we just spoke about sort of take from different cultures but just not not necessarily acknowledge what they're taking from so you know there have been designers even recently that have uh, reference many different cultures but, but but that's they almost make it their own mm. so like you just said like about the beads and stuff like that they, they, it's almost like we created that why is it taking so long for them to actually say we were inspired by this person this you know this country you, do you know why 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 have they not taken any notice of them I, I think from a design point of view right there's so many different aspects of that but one is like when you design stuff people can be quite precious about it. They want people to think it's their idea. You know, for example, I'm, I, even I, with like references that I'm looking at, I'm always maybe a little bit aloof about it because you have this idea, you don't want people to know the whole secret to the, to the pudding or to the collection, right? There's that. Then there's also like, a lot of these big houses are full of people that are not from these minorities where they're taking their ideas from. So they're not, they don't have anyone to say to each other, do you think we're doing this sensitively or do you think that this could be a bit problematic? And then someone, if it was me, would say, that looks ridiculous or, you know, blah, blah, blah. They don't have those people in the companies that can even say, guys, why are we putting, 
you know, I don't mm-hmm. know, this tribal pattern that's from a sacred place in Nigeria on a T-shirt and not referencing Nigeria. Because I also don't think we can stop people taking ideas from different cultures. I think we're globalised. But I think it's about acknowledging that it's come from the culture and not ripping off a tribe. Or So I think it's a mixture of, you know, the lack of diversity, lack of representation to actually respond to these points. And plus, who is actually managing the feedback that they're getting from people because it might not be someone that that understands it or someone that actually cares so i think also like to, to me i think it's like it's it just boils down to white privilege like i i genuinely think that there's a lot of brands who have done cu- cultural appropriation um within their collections that just think but I went there on holiday and I loved I loved that fabric I found and they think yeah. that that's fine and that in in essence isn't a crime but it's not a bit if you're going if you're going to profit off a fabric that's been made locally for from some small village in Nigeria or wherever you kind of need to either get that that place and those people to make it for you and then you give them the money from it yeah or you don't do it like you can't just you can't just go and kind of rape and pillage around the world <laughs> and go but i was on holiday and i just love i love these african beads like whatever it was you know and i just i think that's where like the 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 conversation about black lives matter tying into brands for being more aware of this hopefully that side of things will also be recognised more because I think that what tends to happen and not just with with designers just with many white people in positions of authority is that they don't want to be a racist and they are not a racist in a racist sense so when they hear Black Lives Matter and and they're, they're hearing about how how this system this fashion industry works so well in their favour and that that means that it's unfair their immediate yeah. thing is to say but I worked hard I had to struggle I've had hard things happen to me it's like but it doesn't yeah. it, that do, we're not negating any of that actually like you're allowed to like you could be having a really hard day today but it doesn't mean that your hard day today is worse than having to deal with systemic yeah. racism yeah and it's also you, you know what as well it's Duh. like your it's like your bad day <laughs> is not because of the colour of your skin you know like if you yeah. go to a job interview and you don't get it, you don't have to worry about whether they think that you're too black, too you're too loud, or if you're confident, you might seem as aggressive. Or, you know, I've been in job interviews before and someone's spoken about my hair, literally stopped the interview and said, God, your hair's so big. And it was for a fashion house. I won't say who, but it was for a fashion house wow. in London. And I couldn't believe it. I was gobsmacked. And I did um, a project... And I was explaining that we got, we, we was at uni and I was explaining about, it had to be about heritage or whatever. No, it had to be about um, uh, travel. And they were like, I bet you did an African tribe collection. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it was just obscene. <laughs> I think that's where I hope that we can, we are either getting to, or we are maybe in a time of, that a, a place where we can actually think about how we can stop it from happening anymore, rather than, and then obviously you have to acknowledge it first in order to, to stop it. But I think rather than just being mm. like, well, it's not my fault. Like, it's not my fault I'm white. It's like, well, it's no, it's no one's fault that there are any 
race yeah. <laughs> or colour. You know, it's a, that that's a, it's not a choice that anybody makes. Not that you would, not that, that even if yeah. you could choose, maybe you would choose. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like it, I think that that is that that aspect of it is what people need to start thinking more heavily about. Also, we need to in the conversation because I think we could sometimes get caught up in being like, okay, we're talking about black lives, so that's good. Let's let's just let that sink in for a bit. But I actually have been thinking that I think. The conversations around gender and trans people needs to come in now because I think that we need to like, while people are listening, it needs to be part of it because otherwise it's not all black lives. It will still just be black lives or especially in fashion. I'm worried that it will just be black lives that are really exceptionally talented and not, you know, like, yeah, or yeah, or beautiful. And that's sometimes what I think about the, the, the issue with the model representation I sometimes wonder you know it's still about surface deep but these models are representing so many amazing things and I want them to get all the jobs in the world but that's why we can't stop at diverse at diversity in a campaign which is meant to be showing you know when I do a campaign I want people to think wow like this is amazing it's aspirational but also it needs to be beyond that and we need to think about all those different types of black lives and all the different um, areas that they can be a part of and be included in. I think that's interesting. I think with the the models, especially, I think even when with the, with magazines in particular, I don't think you very rarely see a black person shot as a black person. They're usually shot as a character. Mm. Um, they're either over, overly sexualized, they have their tops off, or something like that. Or, you know, it's never just someone being shot. And I think you that goes through into film. And into music, you know, people usually, if there's a, a black actor that wins an award, it's because they're playing a black person. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. And, and that really, really frustrating, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, like a life of suffering, um, basically, in, the, in when they win yeah. the award, yeah. I think we've done a good start today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Putting the world to rights. <laughs> as soon as it's about um, being open and equal the whole year round instead of like a black history month or whenever we want to do it then i think that there will be more space for more talent but i think at the moment because it's so tokenized it's a bit difficult i think but we i think we should just keep pushing i literally think us three should keep pushing we should go to every office like oi yeah (laughs) yeah i'm I'm so i'm so into this like i'm actually really really into it (laughs) Yeah, we should think of a name. I think it'd be great. Like, like kind of, like Crime Stoppers, but better. <laughs> okay, um, at that point, we'll just say uh, thank you very much for being here. Uh, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much. It'll be great. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week.